At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Just for the record, I've already had my coffee today, so I'm, I'm having my, my first Diet Coke. My man. <laughs> Wait, it's also 10 a.m. That's a good point. Is that too early for it's Diet Coke? It's pretty early for Diet Coke, yeah. Yeah, I think there's like a general rule of like no pop before noon. Like 11.30 if you're having an early lunch is fine if you're like sitting down for lunch, but like... Yeah, I feel like you're at a restaurant, but just well, to be sitting I mean, at home. I wasn't... What were my alternatives? To have a second beer? Yeah, there it is. Okay, and on that bombshell, <laughs> we'll officially welcome everybody to the latest episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, featuring, as always, producer Thim, who is now, as we know, one coffee, one Diet Coke, and one beer in I'm not actually a beer. Why are you judging breakfast beers, James? <laughs> on a Tuesday? It's, it's, by yourself? Yeah, it's like, it's like bread. I feel, I, feel, I feel like... I think we actually had this discussion. There are certain beers with occasions that are phenomenal. So like airport beers, yep. sitting on the yep. balcony, waiting to go to an event in your hotel room beer. Absolutely. Shower, shower beers. beers. I've never been a big fan of the shower beer. Why? Because I feel like it's getting shower water into it no matter what. You, and like, you like need- that's the worst thing you've put in your body? Come on. I feel like I you, just, I feel I like know, you need better showering technique. I'm honest. Yeah, it's. I feel like there's a technique issue there. Maybe we just have different showers. I don't know. <laughs> I just. I don't. I feel like wherever I would put it, it would get water in there, and I don't. I don't want like a watered down beer. If I wanted a watered down beer, I'll just have a Bud Light. First of all, <laughs> that's offensive. <laughs> Second of all, why are you having to put it down? Why can't you just hold it and drink it and enjoy the hot well, water and a cold beer? Are you not capable? My hands for my are shower. you not? I have a lot not, of hair, Alex. Are you this not capable of, of drinking a beer in the hot tub or or in the pool? Okay, but that's different because the, if you're in the hot tub or the pool, the water's not shooting at you. Just to be clear, I did not have a beer this morning. I want that. <laughs> Just because because you're out of beer. <laughs> you, you know I'm not. You know how stocked I keep my coffee table. <laughs> so, as we've mentioned, it is. Well, 10.30 for Tim, 1.30 for us on a Tuesday, our normal recording time. And I'm happy to announce that Panera Tuesdays did happen, but I ordered my sandwich early enough that it is finished. That said, I decided to treat myself with a cookie today. So I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> and I'm I curious. still have to eat the cookie. Does Panera deliver beer? I don't think so. Mm. They're not licensed. They don't know. They don't serve beer. Yeah, that's a, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. If you were a restaurant, why would you not? spend the cost the upfront cost to get licensed at least in beer and wine well alex um <laughs> as a restaurant owner i can tell you that i did spend the money to get a license i say i, mean, I said i didn't I mean, actually spend didn't the money at all the, the restaurant that i am a very very small partner in <laughs> spent the money and we do serve alcohol so i don't know you're right i'm with you 
What's what's interesting about, about so you're this gonna send me that sponsorship? Minneapolis, right? 46 in college. Come by anytime you like. That you just what's did? interesting about cool. this restaurant? That... <laughs> yep. You know, you'd think you'd think being a part of and a small owner of a restaurant that you know it's been a year and you haven't got us any good bourbon out of your restaurant connection. It's 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 a work in progress. I am making well, I'm making headway there. You know, I I mean it's These called over promising under delivering and it's a little no, disappointing. No, no, it's uh it's not. It's gonna pay dividends. It's a long game, Alex. I don't know why you're in a rush. You have plenty of bourbon to drink in your basement. By the time that you're out of what you've consumed, we'll we'll have our end. We're good. We're just building those relationships, man. Um okay. You know how relationship oriented the like bourbon underworld is. It's all who you know. That is, and, that is true. You guys yeah. know you guys yeah. know cheap bourbon okay. still gets you well, drunk. Fair enough, right? James. That's fine. Um at least um it's a less enjoyable process. Yeah. And it's, it's not it's not the we, point. We like cheap bourbon. Like there's some of our favorite bourbons that are cheap. We just like good bourbon. Like that's that's we bought a bottle of twenty nine dollar bourbon the other day and it was delicious. I you know what? I I don't even think this is a bourbon, but no, actually I know it's not a bourbon. But just give me like Jameson on the rocks and a general feeling of ennui, and I'm set. You know, that's all I need. If frankly, if that is what you're willing to consume, can you please stop drinking our nice bourbon when you come over? Absolutely I'll just get not. You a bottle of Jameson and a straw. If this is the kind of behavior that, by the way, that would be fine. First of all, <laughs> first of all, he's from California. That. He doesn't use straws. That's true. That's bad for the environment. It's a paper bad. straw. Don't worry. Bad Sorry, I like turtles. Everybody likes turtles. Speaking of which, are you happy or sad that we didn't get you a turtle? A little bit of both. I'm gonna be okay. honest. Like for, most yeah. of me's like, yeah, it was a good thing that that didn't happen. But then. And I think about it, it would, it would have been kind of cool. It would have been pretty cool. Um, you got a lot of flack on Twitter for your hatred of Canadian Thanksgiving. I didn't get a lot of flack, hatred or flack or no, I didn't. There was one guy that was like, wait, why wouldn't you just appreciate two Thanksgivings and have double the turkey? Which is a pretty solid point, which is a good point. I think it was actually a woman who said that. And that was only one of two tweets. And that's, that's more than one. So that's, I'm telling you, you you caught some flack. Flack, Yeah, our flack. To be honest, that was that was the best argument that I've ever had for Canadian Thanksgiving. I feel like the turkey is the the part that I look forward to the least out of Thanksgiving. hundred like percent. It's the stuffing. It's the turkey's it's the not turkey turkey's not is good. by it's by and large the worst like meal food. Like yeah. like hey, do you ham. like chicken? Staple but you like it to be drier. Right, drier and less flavorful. This bird is so bad, we're going to have to create a super thick, high-caloric, greasy gravy to pour all over it and smother it in, and then actually we're going to lop on a spoonful or two of stuffing just to give it some texture. So This this makes me feel like Thanksgiving is just like a conspiracy by Big Turkey. Like, this is the only way they can keep the market alive. (laughs) It's interesting. My dad, my dad, my dad has become a big Thanksgiving guy um, with downloading all the recipes and and all this stuff and trying to do everything as if it were for a magazine, you know, photo shoot. And he, uh, the past couple of years has flown in a turkey from Vermont. Apparently they grow good turkeys there. And like Alex turkeys don't fly. (laughs) And it, uh, I'm going to I'm going to be honest. It's just as crappy as your Ralph's or Kroger grocery store turkey, but it costs 
10 times as much. My family doesn't even do turkey on Thanksgiving or Christmas or any of that stuff for that reason. It's that it's not particularly well received. And it's like hard to cook too. It's like hard to try to make it good. Although Becky and I did make one once. So Alex can attest to this and, and Tim as well. Becky and I are not what we would call like super enthusiastic chef types, right? We don't love Yeah, how did cooking. she spill the turkey? Right. <laughs> Amazingly, <laughs> she didn't. But we decided it was Canadian Thanksgiving a few years ago. We're like, oh, we're going to be, you know, patriotic. We're going to make a turkey dinner. And we went online and we found the recipe. And when this was the funniest part, though, right? So Canadian Thanksgiving, as we've established, is like first weekend in October. And we went to the store here in Indy to get a turkey and we couldn't find one. And then we asked one of the people that work at the store, like, hey, where do you guys have your whole turkeys? And they were like, it's October. Nobody buys whole turkeys in October. And they literally just weren't selling them. And I thought, oh my God, I never even thought of the possibility that you couldn't just get a turkey pre-Thanksgiving, like before American Thanksgiving or like the holiday season here. So what he was, we ended up doing is like, we asked the deli section, like you guys have like freshly cut turkey slices here, right? So yeah, like, where do you cut those from? Well, so we got some turkeys in the back. And I'm like, can I buy one of those? He goes, yeah, I don't see why not. So we got the deli to give us a full <laughs> turkey. So we made the turkey, we followed this rule or this, this recipe. We brined it for 24 hours, you know, like this whole thing, we cooked it. And I got to say, it was the best turkey I have ever had. And like I said, Becky and I are not experienced chefs and we were so proud of this turkey. But then we also vowed to never make a turkey again because I, I knew it would never turn out. It was 100% beginner's luck. And to this day, it was like three or four years ago. We have never even attempted to make another turkey because it just you wouldn't you wouldn't get it that good again. Never attempted really to make good. another cook turkey or another meal, as it were. Well, yeah, we stopped when we were on a high. We ended on a high. We retired at the top. We were like Nico Rosberg of turkey making and cooking in general. So rich and complacent. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, oh, oh. oh, he's a world champion. He's a Formula One world champion, Alex. There's there's no way no, around that, that. that. That is true. That's, that is science. That's facts. Um, all right. Well, now that we've... Well, speaking of people who aren't champions... Um, we determined going into Petit Le Mans that if the car didn't win, the only new factor was Alex. And uh, and I didn't watch. Did you guys win? No, Tim. We sure we did not. We did not win. <laughs> um, I I'm gonna be honest here. I did watch. I did know that, but I enjoyed. Doing yeah, that. yeah, that's good. Uh, <laughs> All right, no, Alex. Sure so why don't you walk us through your Petit Le Mans experience with accurate Team Penske jumping in the number seven with. Elio Castroneves and Ricky Taylor, first time back in the car since Daytona. Do you have the NBC music for this um, lead-in yeah. here, Tim? Um, I'm, I don't know if we can legally use that, so I'll just do it myself. Do, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, James, it was, as we discussed um, on last week's episode, uh, going to be a new experience for me to, to race at Road Atlanta. It was cool. It was good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think considering um, that, I mean, I think we were, we were we were pretty okay. It was an interesting race. It, oddly, not a lot of yellows, um, which is a little bit surprising, but also not. I mean, I feel like all of of racing's kind of, you know, 
yellows are slowly starting to, to diminish just as the quality of driving and, and such goes up. Um, there was one pretty big yellow at the end, obviously that involved the seven car fighting, fighting for the lead. And, and, uh, Ricky was in a position. I think I think he was a quicker car um, than than the thirty one. It was it was amazing that after nine and a half hours, you know, you have two cars fighting for the win under a second apart from each other. Um, so yeah, we were unfortunately in 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 the second place position at that point. So we went forward and it didn't quite work out, but we still finished second. Um, and we had to beat the thirty one car in the championship anyway. So at the end of the day, it was actually. It all it all worked out, but um, yeah, obviously when when you get that far and you're that close to winning, it's a little bit of a letdown, but still a, a good result nonetheless, I think. So we'll come back to the race in a sec, but you just kind of mentioned the championship there, and yes, you did have to beat the 31 in the seven car to to move forward, but the other car that was ahead was the 10 car, which ended up winning the race. So. Yeah, Are I you, mean, so the seven's I guess further away from the lead, but a position higher in the championship. Is that true? That is true. Yes, um, but the way that like the IMSA points work, like it's a ten point gap to the to the ten car. Um, so it's not that big. Ten points is is fairly challenging to overcome, considering that there's only eight cars. Um, so even if you crash on lap one, you still get pretty decent points um but neither here nor there there's there's two races to go and and obviously we know how much can happen um but yeah i mean it it was uh it was it was just a strange race i think like definitely our 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 teammate car the sister car um had had a huge amount of pace in the day they were involved in this phantom incident that i don't think anyone really still to this day understands what happened um so bizarre and all of a sudden they weren't leading, but their car was fine. And then they really never had pace for the rest of the day. So, uh, yeah, very, very weird how that all transpired. Um, but again, I mean, with endurance racing, it's, it's 10 hours, a lot of variables, a lot of things that can happen. So you just got to try and stay out of trouble. And, and, and like we said, we were able to do that and for the most part and uh, walk away with the podium. So, yay. Go team. <laughs> It was uh, it was a really fun race to call from the NBC side because in almost all the cla- no it actually was because in almost all the classes even like as you said it there weren't a lot of yellows but still the 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 gaps between you know the first and second or sometimes first all the way down to fifth place in in class were super tight and it was such an ebb and flow because that track it's so much harder to navigate traffic than Daytona or Sebring. And so you'd see a guy pull out seven or eight seconds on second place. And then three laps later, that's down to two and a half seconds. And it just would keep kind of yo-yoing like that, depending on how the traffic fell and everything. And, you know, in GTLM, there was a great race going. In GTD, there was a great race going. And all of it seemed to change in the last, like, two stints. You know, the the 86 in GTD was doing really well, and they got kind of in a bit of a traffic kerfuffle with a bunch of different cars, cut a tire, actually, I think broke a tow link, had to come in and go behind the wall. The BMW that was leading GTLM in the final stint by a decent margin, drove off the track and got some dirt in the radiator, had to come in and pit and a different car got the lead there. Your guys, you know, the 31 and the seven were battling tooth and nail the last really four stints, you know, both of your last stints and then both of Ricky's last stints. Um, 
Well, no, it was really it was already the last seven stints, even with Elio. I mean, it was it was a good four hours that the two of us were going at it. And it was it was pretty cool to be a part of. Sure. It was great. And I gotta say, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, and I'm not just saying this because you're a friend, your efforts in the car during your final two stints were exceptional. They were very, very, very good, you know, because you were head to head, not with the third driver from the thirty one. Hear that, car. Tim? <laughs> Well, I think the clear takeaway there is that iRacing really helped you. I was getting, I was getting to that. You owe James. I was getting to that. Um, But, uh, (laughs) but no, it was, it was very impressive because you went head to head with one of the full season drivers and you guys were passing each other back and forth. You were using traffic brilliantly to get, you know, an advantage back. And uh, it was, it was really fun to watch. And I know like in the commentary booth, we were, we were super enjoying it. And, uh, Kudos to you for a job very well done and kudos to me for teaching you how to do it because you text me. No, sorry. We were talking after the race or maybe it was, no, I think it was in the middle of the race (laughs) or was it after practice? I don't know. At some point over the weekend, you said, yeah, man, I'm not going to lie. That seems like pretty accurate. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, to to be honest, like I didn't really find my feet fully until the race. Um, just because, you know, it is still pretty limited practice and you have to share the car amongst two other guys. Yeah, because, like, um, what did you, you did the math. What did you have, like, 28 laps in the car or something before the race? It was, yeah, it was low 30s. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't a ton of laps. And because, you know, you're, you're doing it with the whole field, so you're doing it with GT cars, it's really hard to, like, get consecutive laps in a rhythm and actually, like, kind of do two corners back-to-back, meaning, like, you do turn one twice at full speed, two laps in a row um, without, you know, having to pass someone or check up or anything. So it's, it, it is pretty difficult difficult to get a rhythm until you kind of get into the position where you're going to be in the car for, you know, two 30-lap stints, and, and you can really just kind of focus on on chipping away at it. So it, it was, it, it was kind of late for me to kind of figure it all out, um, but this was really the first track that I had ever been to in in the DPI car that I didn't get to test at. You know, before Daytona, you obviously have the Roar, you have private team tests, and then Sebring, you know, we always do team tests there. Um, and I've driven at those tracks before, right? So um, going into Road Atlanta was really uh, a, a big learning curve. And I think the sim, as much as I hate sims, was was really good. I mean, the first time I went, you know, up the hill through turn one, and then you I kind of had the blind turn three. Like, it didn't catch me by surprise at all. Like, I, I knew exactly what was happening and what was going, going to come from it. And even the S's, even though it took me a little bit of time to to get flat to there, like, it, there was nothing that was surprising, right? So, um, you know, the 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 sim was, was really helpful from that standpoint. I think it would have been even more accurate if there was just DPI cars available on iRacing, right? Like, we did all right. that learning in, in an LMP2 car, which is, which is close. Um, but there were still definitely some differences. And... Um, you know, the DPI, the performance is, is a little bit higher, but neither here nor there. It was a, it was a very good tool. And I think that if I ever have to learn a track again, um, I will be hitting you up. Um, if we ever do Bathurst again, uh, we should probably um, live at your house for like a month <laughs> and use it as much as possible. Um, because clearly that's appropriate. <laughs> Clear, clearly the three the three hours that we used it prior to flying to Australia wasn't quite sufficient. 
wasn't no as much as we thought oh we got this it was not and so that actually segues nicely so the race ended uh at petit le mans and uh and we met up afterwards and the bathurst 1000 was happening at that time and so we managed to kind of get the tv working and we sat on your bus and watched the the last like 60 laps i think of uh of the bathurst 1000 and uh i kind of missed it Yes, no, it was a late night. It was a late night. After you had been working and I had been talking, but uh no, it was I missed it. I I really enjoyed following along. I mean, I've I've followed I mean, I had already loved the category, but like certainly when you go over there and do a race, you get a lot more connected to it and you have a, you know, a, a more vested interest in what's going on. So, it was awesome to get to watch it and see what was happening there. For sure, one of those motorsport holy grails and, you know, we were super lucky to get the chance to do it last year and i very much hope we get the chance to do it again one day because it was a blast although i'm super curious to see what scott mclaughlin thinks about the 500 when he does it next year um is is he doing it next year allegedly well i mean i'm just sort of spec i'm sort of speculating yeah yeah that's by no means an announced thing or anything official but like he's coming over here and i gotta feel like but if it if it does become official uh, let's pretend we scooped it here. Let's pretend this was. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. We no, knew. it's definitely like, that this if it was, happens. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. definitely knew. <clears throat> I just called Raj, and uh, Raj said, <laughs> "Sure, yeah, let's go with that." Yeah, James just got off the phone with Roger, and he said, "How did you get this number?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did I ever tell you guys the story of when I? messed around with Joseph and Roger's like speaking of Roger's phone number when I like mess with Joseph's phone about this. No, but I'm, I'm no? dying cool. to hear this story. <clears throat> so pre Joseph being a Penske driver, it was, you know, it was a very well documented fact that Joseph really wanted to be a Penske driver. And we were at the IndyCar offices for some reason. So, you know, I think he still lived in town. He was, he would have been driving for Ed maybe at the time. And, um, we were at the IndyCar offices for some kind of meeting and Joseph like left to go to the bathroom and he left his cell phone in the conference room that we were in. And there was a couple PR guys there and a couple drivers there. I I honestly forget who else was in the room. And I picked up his phone and just like swiped just to see. And sure enough, it was unlocked, which is insane. Yeah. And so amateur hour there. Completely, completely amateur. And so... (laughs) This really awful idea came into my head and <laughs> pretty terrible. I I looked at one of the PR guys. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave his name out of it. I won't. I'll, I'll implicate myself here, but I won't bring in my co-conspirators. I said, I need your phone number. Yeah, we don't want to implicate Arnie. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was a team guy <laughs> uh, or girl. But I, uh, I said, I need your phone number. And I went into Joseph's contacts and I created a new contact that was Roger Penske. And I put this guy's phone number in it. Right. And then closed it. And I was like, in 10 minutes, you've got to send a text saying, Hey, Joseph, this is RP. Can you give me a call when you get a chance? Something I want to talk to you about. And so, (laughs) so we're sitting (laughs) in this meeting. Did Joseph Joseph have Roger's number at this point? But see, when it pops up on your phone, your heart starts beating and you don't think about that until after the fact. So, so that's what <laughs> happened is he said the text and Joseph like looks down. Also, I feel like Roger Penske has the ability to text people and just 
put his contact in like, their phone. Roger Penske is the kind of I guy like where, that's like... Something, once you get that third comma, you can Yeah, like, no, that. you just hear a cell phone ringing and reach <laughs> into your pocket, and you're like, what the hell? And you open this burner phone, and it's like, this is Roger. Meet me at this address, you know? <laughs> so so he sends the text, and, like, Joseph looks down at his phone and, like, looks around the room and, like, gets all nervous. He's like, I'm just going to run to the bathroom again and takes off. And we all burst out laughing. I was like, oh, no, I can't let this happen. So I, we had to go out and get him and admit it. And when he was out there, he was like, yeah, wait a minute. I thought, how would Roger's number be in my phone? But for like 30 <laughs> seconds, it worked. And it was terrible and mean, but very, very funny. It's only funny because now he actually got the ride. And yeah, it's now all he got the ride out. and he's I a think, two-time I, champion. Arguably, I think it'd be funnier if he never did. <laughs> I think it'd be way funnier. <laughs> you are a terrible person, That's- though. That's pretty so mean, speaking man. of Joseph, yeah, that's true. Speaking of that's Joseph's true. ride and Penske and championships and stuff, heading to St. Pete this weekend, and uh, it's man, down to I'm two glad guys to be out of that conversation. <laughs> I mean, you are and you're not, but it's it's interesting because obviously, like Dixon's had a hallmark year, right? I mean, he opened with three wins and then got another one, and. It's really been his Dixon really Dixoned it. This yeah, way. he he Dixoned this one pretty good. Even though Joseph, you know, <laughs> took a good chunk out over the last couple weekends, um, it's still like a, a near insurmountable uh, gap to close to the point where. And this came, I have to laugh a little bit, but this came out um, in an infographic from IndyCar, and it said there were like. 19,000 and something permutations of how these two drivers could finish and the resulting points. And 1% of them results in Joseph winning the championship. (laughs) I'm like, well, that kind of takes the fun out of it. Let's, let's at least make people think there's a chance, you know? So it's, so, I mean, if you're Joseph, is it super disheartening seeing that? And if you're Scott, are you just like jumping for joy seeing that? Or are you both just still super focused on what you have to do? Well, no, I think, I think if you're Scott, you're like thinking it's the best thing in the world. If you're Joseph, you're like of all the years for it not to be double points. It's this year. So, right. But like, here's the thing, man. If you finish fifth in a double points race and the other guy finishes third, like you're all still getting a, I don't know. I've never liked double points. I've said it from the beginning. We have, had 15 consecutive seasons of the title going down to the last race that obviously precedes double points in the last race. This season, we had one of the most dominant performances of a driver we've seen in kind of the modern IndyCar era. And there is still technically an open championship going down to the last race. You know, if you have double points, does his 1% chance of winning become 2%? You know what I mean? Like it's, I've always thought it was gimmicky and, and kind of dumb. Um, I don't like double points at any race. We've so, talked about this. I think even the 500. Yeah, you've, been, you've been pretty open about it. Yeah, this. I think even the 500 should be like, honestly, like full points for qualifying and then full points for the race. So it's double points over the over the two weeks. But like qualifying, the amount of effort that the teams put into that and like the <laughs> amount of risk that the drivers have to take for that, you should get something out of it. You know, it's uh, it's a very big thing at that place. But finishing... You know, if you have a bad day at Indy and, and you finish 21st and you have to swallow that twice, essentially, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's good. So I'm I'm very happy that it's not double points and I'm very happy that the championship is still open despite the fact it's not double points. You know, you don't see there's any 
benefit for the the bringing it down to the wire? Or you're saying that you don't need it to bring it down to the wire? No, I did. I think it'd come down to the wire regardless. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly both. But <laughs> if you want to argue the benefit side, I'll just say, yeah, cool. But we don't need it. You know, it's it's always been for 15 straight years. You know, you've got to go back to the era of the Andretti Autosport, like insane. I think it was Andretti Green Racing at the time, insane domination in the mid 2000s when they were running the Honda Motors that were just heads and tails above everybody else. We haven't had that in a long time. Even when we've seen a disparity between manufacturers and kind of the, the 2012 plus era, the kind of modern era, whether it was with engines, with manufacturer aero kits, the championship always still came down to the wire. And, uh, and I think, I think IndyCar racing is just so competitive right now. It would be very hard to dream up a scenario where that wasn't the case. I think this, I think 2020 is as bad as you're going to see it. And that's just because of the weirdness of 2020. That is all very good points. And um, despite my best efforts, there's not much I can uh, disagree with on that. So well, well done, James. There you go. Go team. Um, Tim, I, I gather that you asked Twitter to yeah. ask us some questions. Yeah, I sent out, sent out the call and, uh, and shockingly people the, the, answered. The fact, the fact that people actually have questions relative to things they have heard on this podcast in the past. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people asking if, uh, if James has a sandwich, which we've already addressed. Uh, yeah. I, somebody did ask what, what get, kind get, of sandwich yeah. do you get? I can't find who asked that. Or Sarah Morell uh, asked it, what's it's for lunch the, the chicken avocado chipotle sandwich, I think, is called. It's something like that. Oh, it's does delicious. your does your wife order for you? <laughs> that sounds delicious. What are you talking about? No, I, uh, I, I, I ordered that one. What do you, I don't understand. At least it's not turkey. If my wife ordered, it would have been a kale salad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we ha- we have one that actually Gary Wood asked this last week, and and Gary's been listening forever, by the way. Um, but he wants to know. Thanks, Apologies, Gary. Gary. Yeah, our bad. Uh, he wants to know, James, if you have named your new ride, even though it's just a three three night stand. Yeah, no, it's I I have not because I it's not my it's not my ride to name. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm the side piece in that deal there. So I uh, we'll just call it Thim. I don't know if she had a name before. Uh, we're definitely not calling it that. <laughs> she did. She did. It it was. Um, he's a big Beatles fan. So it has. Oh, was it Jude or what? What is it? No. no. All right. Um, Is it Yoko? <laughs> Clearly, it wasn't that memorable. All right. Uh, Vincent <laughs> Venegas wants to know favorite beer, and uh, and then any your favorite bourbon under fifty dollars. Favorite beer, Bud Light. Favorite bourbon under fifty dollars. Um, Pappy Van Winkle. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally no uh, yeah, Pappy under fifty dollars, even like <laughs> even retail. Yeah, for for two yeah, ounce pour. Um, yeah, uh, I think James and I are going to be pretty similar on the favorite bourbon um, under fifty dollars. So I'll let him share his his love of it because he actually named something very important to him after it. Sure did. Uh, that will be Weller Special Reserve. Uh, if you're going under fifty, I mean, kind of right at fifty, depending on where you go, you can get Weller One Hundred Seven, which uh, Weller Antique, which is uh, a step above the Special Reserve, but. Pretty much everywhere, special reserves below 50. So anyway, it's a Weller product regardless. Um, and favorite beer. That's tough, man. I like a lot of beer. I like I beer. Think, I think you you shower you beer explained to me. No, your your favorite <laughs> beer is um I forget what it is, but 
you don't mind it at all temperatures. So yeah, okay. So that's so Stella. What what I love about Stella is you can have an ice cold Stella, you can have a room temperature Stella, and it still tastes the same. You know, if you have, I mean, other beers that I drink regularly are like you know Corona and and Coors Light and Hammerdown and things like that, which all the flavor changes significantly and usually for the worse as it gets warmer. But Stella is just like a really good old fashioned, like the Belgians have been doing it forever and they do it well. So yeah, I'll go with that. That's a good call out. Stella. You guys will probably make fun of me for this, but uh, I, I've pretty much stopped, uh, pretty much stopped drinking unless there's special occasions, but I've been, I've really gotten into those Heineken 0.0s. Cause every yeah, now and then so I want to just have the next like words a, out of my yeah. mouth. We're, we're going to be that I, I, uh, my dad, uh, cannot drink anymore cause some, cause some health issues and he's been getting into the NA beers. And so I've, I've gotten to experience a bunch of them with him and the Heineken 0.0 for me is, is my favorite by a good chunk. And yeah, I had some left over at the house from the last time he was here and, you know, you just grab one for lunch. Like you say, when you want to have yeah, you something have a beer, that's but you not don't have water a beer, yeah. or Diet Coke, but you don't want to, you don't want to drink, you know? And yeah, I'm with you. The Heineken zero zeros are awesome. I love them. All right. I'm going to start stocking them in the fridge at all times. Uh, Matt Philpot wants to know if each of you were a poutine topping, what would you be? Ketchup. American. I don't like it. <laughs> I also don't really like poutine, which I know is very un-Canadian, but. Okay. All right. Um, I've never had poutine, so I don't. Like the poutine that I like are like that when you go to those places that have to get creative with it, you know, like poutine is just supposed to be gravy and cheese curds, right? That's poutine. If you just consider poutine, anything that's a base of fries with Wait. just stuff chunked on top, oh. then yeah, I'd go so with poutine, like chili. Original poutine isn't French fries? Yeah, it's French fries, but with oh. gravy and cheese curds on top. Got it. All right. Um, but like now you can do, you can do like chicken curry poutine or you can do chili cheese dog poutine or like. So some of those, yeah, those are good, but like I don't like the kind of classic poutine that much. All right, I'm I don't know how to pronounce this, but uh, Zenviat Time Attack says, uh, "What makes Rossi happy?" I can answer this: uh, people crying. <laughs> that, that is not that is not an all. You know what makes me happy? Uh, now I'm curious: uh, escape rooms and winning. You actually, yeah. this is the weirdest thing about you. I feel like you're in a worse mood after you win. Not a worse mood, but not as happy a mood as you should be. <laughs> um, Mike, the fireman, says Canadian yeah. bacon or American bacon. You're not it's, wrong. It's American bacon. <laughs> oh, God. Alex's face to that is so good. <laughs> I wish one day we're going to have to make this a video podcast. And uh, Canadian bacon. What? Get out of here. Um, no. James, yeah. that is Just on an egg McMuffin. You're lying. Only on an egg McMuffin. Is that the acceptable answer? Okay, hold on. I know hold you on. prefer American bacon. Stop. Okay, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. Let me, let me, I'm going to add some, some situational awareness to this. If I'm just eating it by itself, yes, American bacon is better. But eating it with anything else, pretty much, like on sandwiches or with other things, I think Canadian bacon is better. Most Canadian bacon on a, on a cheeseburger? That's, no. Yeah, it's very good. No, no. American. It's very good. Yeah. The only the only time Canadian bacon is better is like an eggs Benedict. Eggs Benedict or, or an egg McMuffin. An, an egg McMuffin. Or like when you when you're eating if you want to It's a lot if, of ores. It's a lot of ores. If you're if you're in England and you're having the the whole the works breakfast, right? Yeah. To be able to have the bacon with your eggs and beans like on That's the same fork. 
That's what yes. I'm saying. Like that kind of stuff. So basically you said on sandwiches and no, with breakfast. No, 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 no. And that's we said specific sandwiches. I did not say all on sandwiches. On hamburgers, on club sandwiches, on potatoes. grilled cheeses, on baked okay, potatoes, so do you, do you want to know on no, Caesar see, salads. American will, bacon okay, is way better. I know. I'll give you Caesar salad. I'll give you Caesar salad. That one's good. What here's here's why I think sandwiches, including burgers, on donuts, American bacon's better. Wait, that's wait, well, only on, in America. Wait, would you ever wait, do that? You put, so we're not you even put gonna bacon talk on about donuts. That. Just, just you haven't Tim, had a just bacon glazed no. donut. Do you do you have to cut the donut in half first? No. <laughs> no, but like that's on, actually on, like on. a really popular thing, like a maple bacon. Uh, look, donut. as a in, as the resident America, fat yes. guy here, that's too much. <laughs> no, it's, it's like it's like at nice restaurants. It's really good. Oh, that's so, why I'm not. Happy. So, how do you feel about going to the Indiana State Fair where they have the bacon cheeseburger, but instead of a bun, either side of the bun is just a Krispy Kreme donut? Excessive. Yeah. That's okay. Right, the last. But hold on. Let me just follow up with the bacon. Hold on. No, no. I have one more point on the bacon, which is in sandwich. I like every bite of my food to taste the same. So, like, when I make fajitas, I craft my fajita so that every bite is going to have a piece of chicken, a little bit of pepper, a little bit of onion, the right amount of and salsa, And ladies and gentlemen, cheese, James Hitchcliffe is a cereal killer. <laughs> right. So, Do you also eat onions like an apple? That no. <laughs> that's disgusting. Lemons, yeah. So, um, why, why I like Canadian... It was a joke. Why I like Canadian bacon is because it covers the entire surface of the sandwich and every bite is the same. We're like with strip bacon... Some this bites you get it, some bites you don't. Okay, I'll stop. This is just I I, I don't. I'm right. It also, it also it also it also tastes like salted this rubber. This just sounds sad. I don't know why yet. This sounds like I don't know. <laughs> All right, the last question because we're running out of time. We do have a lot more questions, but but uh, just the last one we have time to get to. Jill, Larry, next week, and this is very important for me. Who's going to claim Thim as a dependent on their taxes this year? Do I get a break for that? <laughs> right, wouldn't you if you get an extra dependent? I guess, yeah. Yeah, I'll add you on. I mean, I've got Becky already, but I'll, I'll add one more. <laughs> um, aren't aren't you dependent on Becky right now? Yeah, I mean, this year. This year, a whole, whole girl killed it, man. Dependence got dependence this year. Working. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was one other question which I would like oh, to... Oh, Liza had a good um, one, too. Sorry. Um, that's not the one. I didn't know which one it would be. It, it was someone asked about uh, about the race and, and Ricky, Tim, maybe you can find it. I, I'm struggling to find it. It was, uh, okay, so Liz, at Goose Goose Bear, that's that's unique. Um, <clears throat> what did Rossi want to say to Pippo Durrani during the kerfuffle? Solid the use race of kerfuffle, by the way. On Saturday. Um, <clears throat> that is exactly what it was. It was a, it was a kerfuffle. It had potential to escalate um, to a ballyhoo. It, it did have the potential to escalate. There was some very, I mean, there was some South Americans involved and there was some people that had a lot of opinions and emotions at the time. And, and here's the thing. Ricky was, was devastated. He got out of the car and, and was, was really upset, you know, because he, he, he saw the opportunity to win and, and ultimately it, it didn't, it didn't work out. And, um, you know, he's, he's a competitor and he's, he's a winner and that's, that's what he wanted to do. So, so me, Elio, and um, actually his brother, Jordan, who was also on, on the GT podium, we're kind of all talking to him and we were explaining to him that 
that that was what you got to do. I mean, you're you're fighting for the win of the race. Um, it's coming down to it. It's very difficult to pass around Road to Atlanta. He Pipo Pippo whatever had had thrown a a pretty late move at, in a fairly risky one into turn one on Ricky and and they had contact and he kind of pushed Ricky wide, but Ricky gave him room and Ricky was was motivated by that to to try and make something happen and he did and and it was just it was a little bit disappointing. Um, the the immediate reactions that that team had towards Ricky, who everyone knows is one of the the kindest, most um, kind of generous racing drivers out there, and in, in, in just his personality and the way he can. Yeah, the Taylor himself. brothers both seem like just really nice guys, they're, like they're awesome the, people. They're, they're just good human beings. Um, yeah, and so like the antithesis of of Alex. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. In some ways, <laughs> so for for them to kind of come at him the way he did, the, the way they did, um, was was a little bit out of line. And I think it was just really cool to see so many people, even guys from from Jordan's Corvette team, kind of stand up and 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 back Ricky in that situation because everyone knows that Ricky's never going to do something intentional. Um, he's not that type of person, and and for sure, you know, there's been reputations built in the prototype category um, across all the drivers. So, you know, it was, it was, it was an interesting uh, moment to be a part of, but it was very cool to see like the entire IMSA community that was around in that space all have Ricky's back at that moment. So um, we uh, were proud of the kid. He did a good job and um, yeah, it it ultimately all worked out and it makes sense. You know, obviously um, the 31 team is going to be, upset because they also felt that they had a shot to win it. But at the end of the day, as the stewards kind of deemed it a racing incident, that's ultimately what it was. I concur. Well, guys, um, with that being said, I look forward to talking to you all next week after the season finally concludes in St. Pete, where it was all supposed to begin. It seems, uh, yeah, it seems weirdly uh, full circle that the whole racing world shut down last time we were in St. Pete that started this whole crazy 2020 season. And uh, it seems very appropriate to be back there and finish the season. So it should be fun, guys. It should be fun. And we look forward to chatting with you all about it. And with you all, I mean, I guess I'm just going to be chatting with you two, but you'll be listening if you're listening now. You'll probably listen again, I hope. Please listen again and subscribe. God, that was a terrible outro. Yeah, no, that was bad. Was Alex, awesome. you should probably say something. Shut me up. No, I think we just end on that and let you just let you just sit in the disappointment for a whole <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Thim.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.